Isaiah 43 and verse 18 and verse 19. Isaiah 43, verse 18 and verse number 19. And when you're there, if you would hold up your Bibles and we'll make our confession. All right, repeat after me. This is my Bible. I am exactly who it says I am. I have exactly what it says I have. I can do exactly what it says I can do. I am a believer, not a doubter. I am a doer, not just a hearer. And my life is being restored since I've been receiving the word of faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. And how can I hear without a preacher? All right, Isaiah 43, verse 18 and verse 19, it says, Remember ye not the formal things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Say a new thing. I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall ye not know it. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. We're teaching from this series we've just started Today is actually lesson number two from the topic, A Season of Change, A Season of Change. I want to read from the Message Bible, and you can just look up on the screen and see it there. It says, forget about what happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. How many want God to do something brand new? in your life. Say God's about to do something brand new in my life. Amen. If I was Bishop Jakes, I'd have told you to touch three people. <laughs> he said, it's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. It's making, I'm making a road through the desert, rivers in the badlands. So God is desiring to do something new in our lives. Of course, we understand that this text, God is talking about the Jews and he's prophesying about the coming Messiah through the prophet Isaiah. But we understand the principle of the text. And the principle of the text is that God desires to do something new, something different in our lives. But we must understand that that's hinged on you and I being willing to let go of the formal, to let go of the things that are behind us. And when we're willing to do that, then God begins to create new things in our lives. It's so very awesome that the scripture says, even in a wilderness, God can cut a path through a wilderness. Even in the desert place, God can create rivers for you and I. So even in the dry places of your life, wherever you're experiencing drought, wherever you're experiencing dryness, God can create rivers there if you and I are willing to make adjustment, to make changes in our lives. Amen. So that brings us to our objective for the series. The objective is to bring you and I to the place where we began to understand, appreciate, and value change, thus embracing it as we would a dear friend. That, fr that change is not our enemy. That change could be a dear friend to us. And when we understand dear friends in our lives. We understand change. Change can cause you and I to realize God's plan for our lives, God's purpose for our lives, 
and cause us to maximize and reach our full potential through this thing called change. So therefore, I've given you a subtopic. The subtopic is embracing a new thing. Embracing a new thing. Change takes place when new truth has been embraced. When we realize new information, when we realize new truth and are exposed to new truth, then it brings us to a place of change. And so last week I gave you five benefits of change. I covered them in the early service, didn't cover them in this service. I just want to go over those and then I want to give you a kingdom statement. Then we'll get into our lesson for today. Number one, whenever we embrace our season of change, seasons of change have to be embraced. We have to comply with seasons of change. Number one, it helps us to stay relevant. It helps us to stay relevant. We won't become obsolete. We won't become outdated or outmoded when we begin to embrace seasons of change. So they help us to stay relevant. Number two, seasons of change, when they are embraced, it opens the door of our lives for new levels of peace and prosperity. And we know that prosperity is not just limited to, to finances, but prosperity has to do with you and I doing well in every arena of our lives. Amen. So God wants to bring us to new levels of prosperity and new levels of peace. But in order for that to happen, I have to be willing to embrace my season of change. Number three, it helps me to operate in wisdom. When I embrace this season of change, it helps me to operate in wisdom. Reason being is because, you know, when you get accustomed to doing a certain thing a certain way and get caught into religion and get caught into a rut and get caught into certain practices and habits and customs and things like that, you begin to do things subconsciously. And so therefore, we start leaning to our own understanding. But when God starts doing new things in our lives, it causes us now to start acknowledging God in all that we do and God directing our paths by way of his wisdom. So it causes me to operate in the wisdom of God. Number four, the fourth uh, thing that happens when I embrace change, it helps me to grow and become more responsible and accountable with my own life. I become more responsible with my life, more accountable for my life when I embrace this season of change. And then finally, number five, it helps me stay in the will of God. Change helps us to stay in the will of God. When we don't change because what was God at one season of my life does not have to be God for this season of my life. And so when I'm willing to change, when I'm willing to adapt and also adjust, then it caused me to stay with God. God's always doing something. God's always moving. God's always causing things to happen. And when that happens in my life or in the ministry or, or whatever area you're involved in, you have to know when, when God's no longer doing something, when the blessing of God is no longer on something. Amen. You know, under the old covenant, it was the will of God at one time that they, they would take animals, sacrifice those animals, and offer them up as an offering unto the Lord. Well, that wouldn't be an acceptable offering now for you and I. That's no longer the will of God. Are you understanding? But the principle is the same we must offer to God. And so God, he's the same in principle, but he changes in practice. That what he does one way for you last year, he may not do it the same way this year. And that's how you get caught in a trap and stuck in a rut because you think you have, you know, put God in a box 
that this is the only way he does a thing. But God has many different ways. You know, you look at people in the Bible when Jesus was here in the earth and people who were blind. One man, Jesus, you know, sped on the ground and took that, that, that clay and, and rubbed it in the man's eyes and, and told him to go wash in the pool. Well, he could have coined that and said, well, if you want to have your sight, this is how it's going to happen. Well, not necessarily because one man, Jesus just spoke to him and, and his eyes came open. Another man, Jesus laid hands on him and his eyes came open. So you can't box God in. Tell the person that just said, you can't box him in. And what happens is we try to box God in. I use the analogy, you know, going down the road. As you're traveling down the road and the speed limit is 70. And on that same road, you get to another place, the speed limit is 55. And then on the same road, you get to another place, the speed limit is 35. Same road, but it changes. The speed changes. And so what was 70 back here may not be 70 up here. Are you listening to me? And so it is in life. We stay in the will of God when we're willing to embrace this season of change. Change is a practical part of our lives with God. Change is a practical part of our lives with God. We saw that in Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. We also saw it in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Here's a kingdom statement I want to give you. Change can be initiated or imposed. It could be initiated in that uh, you decide to make some changes. You decide you're going to make some changes. So you are the initiator of the change that need to be made. Or change can be imposed. That is, maybe the organization makes some decisions and now change is imposed upon you. Maybe your spouse has made a decision or someone else that you're involved with has made a decision and now in order to go with that decision, you have to make some changes. So there again, change is imposed. Now, however, whether it is initiated or whether it is imposed, your level of frustration is gonna be minimized or maximized by your understanding, your acceptance, and your management of the change. And so I have to be able to flow with change, but change is good. Tell the person that you say change is good. Go to Isaiah 65 and verse 17. God brought you here today because he wants you to change. Amen. Amen. He, he, he wants you to change, you know. Uh, you know, your, your, your employer been telling you to change. And, and you know, your, your wife been, been on you about change. Or your husband been on you about change. And, and, you know, and all kind of people been on you about change. You ain't hearing none of them. So God brought you here to me today. <laughs> and so maybe, maybe today you'll make some changes. Amen. Amen. One thing that's certain, I was reading, uh, I was reading someone's writing online, and a gentleman made a statement. He said, there are two things that are certain. He said, debt and taxes. He said, but I'm adding a third, change. Yeah. Folks, you're going to have to change. You can't stay the same. You have to change. Amen. Whether it's, whether it's your business practices whether it's your, your customs or your traditions and different things, especially when they violate the word of God, you have to be willing to make, to make changes. You have change, and that's not a bad thing. Somebody tell you you need change, it's not, it's not a bad thing. But it helps us to stay relevant. Because when we don't change, we become irrelevant. We become obsolete. Amen. All right, so look in uh, Isaiah 65 and verse number 17. He says, for behold, I create new heavens and a new earth and the former former shall not be remembered nor come into mind 
Now, now, notice God said that if you let me create this new thing I want to create for you, if you allow me the freedom to do this new thing that I want to do in your life, the farmer that you think is so awesome, that you think is so great, that you think is going so well, he says the farmer won't even come in the mind. Now, folks, that has to be something great, something awesome, something miraculous, something majestic, and something marvelous that God wants to create that'll cause you to forget your farmer. And see, what happens is many times we're trying to hold on to the past and at the same time have a desire for a future. But you cannot bring your past into your future because it just doesn't fit. Amen. Amen. So we have to let it go, we have to relinquish it, and we have to move with God and let him create the new thing that he wants to create in our lives. If you look at verse 18, he says, But be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. So whatever God creates in your life, we want to rejoice in it. We want to start celebrating it and blessing God for the new thing that he creates. Now, change is an action resulting from a decision to move from. Change is an action resulting from a decision to move from. Let me tell you something. Your life is on hold until you make a decision. Your life is on hold until you make a decision. When you decide, your life starts moving in a direction. Amen. And so change is an action resulting from a decision to move from. Change is letting go of the familiar. Change means to replace with another. Another procedure, another policy, another practice, another process, another pattern, or even another person. But change is to replace with another. That's what change is. Somebody say change. change. Now, change because, you know, change oftentimes is met with resistance. In particular, change that is imposed. Now, change that's initiated, you know, we're pretty settled with that kind of change, but change that is imposed many times is met with resistance, and whenever you change something, you don't initially, you believe what your outcome will be, you have an expectation of what your outcome will be, but you don't just know for sure. And so, therefore, change requires courage to make it. And many people will not make changes because they don't have the courage to make the change. Change takes courage to make. And change is not change until you change. Change is not change because you want to change. Change is not change because you know you need to change. Change is not change because you've been talking about change. Change is not change until you change. Well, how you know I ain't changed? If you're still doing the same thing, you have not changed. And so change is not change until you've changed. Man of God, change is not change until you've changed. Triumphant woman of God, change is not change until you've changed. Amen. So how do I know I've changed when I'm no longer doing the same thing? Then I know I have changed. Not when the Holy Ghost come up on me, I know I changed. But when I'm no longer doing the same thing, then I know I've changed. Because the Holy Ghost can come up on you. You can run around the building and roll and do all of that and walk right out of here and go back doing the same old thing. Change is not change until you've changed. Matter of fact, when you going to change? 
Ask person that you say, when you gonna change? When you gonna change? At when? I said ask them, when you gonna change? Amen. Now, let's go to, it, it takes courage to make, it takes commitment to maintain, consistency to mobilize, and counsel to maximize. Now, let's go to Psalms 55, verse 19b. Psalms 55, verse 19b. Change. I want to, for the rest of the way, I want to talk to you about five indicators that change is necessary. Five indicators. I'm going to give you five indicators or signs that suggest change. Five indicators that change is necessary. Psalm 55 and verse 19, and we'll look at that, that B portion of verse 19. Psalm 55 and uh, 19B. Look what he says now. Because they have no changes, therefore... They what? Fear not God. Because they have no changes, therefore they fear not God. So at the root of all change, people of God, is going to be the fear of God. Having a reverence and honor, a respect for God that outweighs what I've always done. Having a respect, a reverence, and an honor for God that outweighs the way I want to do it. So because they have no changes, therefore they fear not God. Now the Message Bible says, but set in their ways, they won't change. Set in their ways, they won't change. They pay him no mind. Why? Because I'm set in my ways. I'm set in my ways. But see, this thing about being set in anything, we look for comfort once we're set. And when we get comfortable, man, we, we hate to move. You ever got, a, got comfortable sitting down and somebody asked you to move? It probably happened this morning. You were sitting there and got comfortable in the house of God, and the usher came and, and said, could I get you to slide over, man? <laughs> you understand? <laughs> I like verse 8. Verse 8 says, I would hasten my escape uh, from the windy storm and tempest. In the Message Bible, it says this, I am desperate for a change. I am desperate for a change. Say that. I am desperate for a change. Say it again. I am desperate for a change. Say that again. I am desperate for a change. Well, see, the only thing that's stopping you from changing is a decision. It doesn't matter how desperate you are, you're going to have to make a decision to change. Amen? Amen? So number one, five indicators that change is necessary. When you're doing something that violates the Word of God, when you're doing something that violates the Word of God, then change is necessary. It could be a tradition. It could be a custom. It could be a habit. It could be some practice. It could even be a thought process. But when you violate God's word and you know you're violating God's word, then you need to change. Change is necessary whenever we are in violation of the word of God. Now, it could be the written word, something we see in the passage, in the scripture, or it could be a rhema word that's something God speaks to each and every one of us. 
And as children of God, God speaks to us all the time. Many times we're not paying attention, but God speaks to us all the time. And so when God speaks to us and I, I continue in something, although God has spoken to me, now I am in violation of the word of God. And as a result of that, I need to make some necessary changes. Now, turn with me in your Bibles. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 3. Any tradition that I am holding on to. Now, tradition is not necessarily, you know, something. When I talk tradition, I'm not talking necessarily ceremony. You know, something you do all the time. Like we, we, we have communion every first Sunday. You know, I'm not talking about traditions, things like that. I'm talking about traditions here is really talking about customs and interpretations of the scripture that takes away from the word. You holding on to something, you know, that's deep rooted because of your family, because of your upbringing, because of your past, because of your experiences, because see, our experiences, listen carefully, our experiences, they solidify what we believe. And so if I believe a certain thing, then I have an experience, that experience strengthens what I believe. And so if I believe something, although it's not in the Word of God, but then I experience it, then I'm, I'm prone to say, well, hey, I know what that Bible says. You can say what you want to say, but this is how life is right here. No, see, you have to be able to let that go and go with what the Word of God says. Amen. See, the Word of God should be the final authority in our lives. Amen. It should be... It should be most high in our lives. It should have first place in our lives, and it should be the final authority in our lives. In other words, it should come down to this statement, this question, what does the Word say? What does the Word say? I remember talking to a pastor friend of mine in Dallas, and I said to him, I said, man, look, uh, just tell me what the Word says on this issue because although I'm involved, I say I'm not concerned about being right. I just want to be Word. So what, what does the word say? Don't, don't, don't sit here and patronize and, and, you know, trying to smooth it over. Man, just tell me what the Bible says. I'm going with the word. That I don't let my pride keep me from going with the word. I don't let my ego keep me from going with the word. The word of God has to be first place. It has to have the final authority in your life. Amen. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. You should be there by now. If you're not there, it's probably not in your Bible. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 3. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not what? War. war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the what? Pulling down of stronghold. Now, strongholds are thought patterns and thought processes. It's areas of the mind where darkness reigns. See, any area of my thinking where darkness reigns, there need to be light there. Yes. Now, light proceeds from the Word of God. God's Word is light. So whenever I get God's Word in that area of my thinking, I have just turned on the light there. So when I was once in the dark in that area, now I'm in the light. I've been exposed now to truth in that area. So strongholds, these are thought processes. Another, another book calls them mind castles. Mind castles that have defenders that guard what's on the inside. So that means now, so what happens is in our lives, we all have a thought process. We have something we believe about anything. 
And then we have our experience there. We also have information we've received on a repetitious basis. We also have credible people in our lives, and these things serve as defenders of what's on the inside of us. My particular way of thinking. Are you listening to me? And so I have to pull these down with the Word of God. He says, uh, he says, mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalted itself against the Word of God. So strongholds, imaginations, and high things that exalt itself against the Word of God, against the knowledge of God, these things ought to be pulled down. They ought to be destroyed and brought into subjection. Any imagination, you know, I see myself not making it. That needs to be dealt with. I see myself going under. That needs to, that's the wrong image. That's the wrong imagination. And so that imagination, I see my husband leaving. I see my wife leaving. I see my child lost. And they always going to be lost. I just don't see myself paying this house off. I just don't see myself getting out of debt. See, that is an imagination that needs to be dealt with because what you continue to imagine, it grows on the inside of you until you give birth to it. And so any imagination that exalts itself, the Word of God says you're blessed, but you have this image of being cursed. That imagination is trying to exalt itself higher than the Word of God, and you got to take your faith and pull that thing down and place the Word of God there as being the high authority. So if any imagination, any stronghold, any high thing that comes into my life to exalt itself against, to violate the word, I have to deal with it. Amen. Listen to this statement, people of God. The thought that you don't bring down is the thought that brings you down. That's why the Bible said, take no thought saying. When you get a negative thought, don't give it birth by speaking it. Don't let that come out of your mouth. You know, I just see myself being in this apartment for the rest of my life. Don't you let that, that may be in your head, but don't you let it come out of your mouth. Because once it comes out of your mouth, it becomes established in the earth. So you got to watch those thoughts that come in. Amen? Amen. You got to pull them down. Now, let's go to Mark chapter 7, verse number 8. Mark chapter 7, verse 8, verse 9, and verse number 13. Dealing with anything that violates the Word of God. Anything that violates the Word of God. Look at verse number 8 of Mark 7. He says, For laying aside the commandment of God, ye do what? Hold the tradition of men. We hold the tradition of men. But, but in order to do that, he said we do what? We, we lay aside the commandment of God. So people of God, I want you to see that it is, it is a such thing as people laying aside what God says to hold on to some tradition. Well, you know, in my family, we, you know, we live with our women before we marry them. That's just, that's just how we do it. That's how we do it in my family. Well, see, that is a tradition that you are, that, that, that's causing you to lay the word aside. You know, don't nobody, don't nobody buy a car without test driving. See, that's just foolishness. That's you trying to justify the holding to a tradition. Yeah. Are you listening to me? Amen. All right. Now look at verse number eight, verse number nine, excuse me, verse nine. And he said unto them, for well, ye reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. Are you rejecting God's word to keep some tradition that you have? 
Amen. Amen. Now look what he says in verse number 13. Making the word of God of none effect through your tradition. When he says none effect, he's talking about taking the effect of the authority from the word. See, you have the word, but the word has no authority in your life. See, just because you have a Bible doesn't mean you have the word. See, David said, I've, I've hid his word not in my trunk, in my heart. Not on my dashboard, but in my heart. So I won't sin against God. Are you listening to me? So I have to take this word, and I have to start living by this word and giving this word full authority in my life. See, it's like a man being married, and, and you know, he, he's supposed to have the authority in that house, but see, he's not exercising authority. Amen. Amen. He's not exercising. I remember several years, say this is a long time ago. Tell the person that say this is a long time ago. <laughs> say water restoration wasn't even in existence. So he ain't talking about you. I remember one time I was talking to a couple, and I said, I said, I told, I told the wife, I said, what you bring him for? He ain't gonna make no decision. He messing the meeting up, sitting up here. <laughs> He's a, because, and the reason is, you are not gonna let him exercise authority. Amen. So it's like having the word. See, what, what you got the word for? What do you have the word for if you're not going to give it authority? If you're not going to let it, if you're not going to give the word the run of the house, if you're not going to let the word guide you, if you're not going to let the word be the compass for your life, if you're not going to let the word of God make decisions for if you're not going to let the word be the basis of the guide for your life, what you have it for? So you can just show up and let folk know you got some word in you. But what's the use of having the word if you're not going to let the word have authority? If you're not going to let the word do what the word does in your life. And what happens is we let the word work in certain areas of our lives. Well, I need healing. I let that word work. I need deliverance. Let that word work. I need a job. Let the word work. You know, I need increase. Let the word work. But when you need to change, let the word work, man. You got to let the word work then too. You got to let the word work when you need to stop lying. Let the word work. When you need to stop cursing, let the word. When you need to put your drink down, let the word work. When you need to stop hitting your wife, let the word work. When you need to stop disrespecting your husband, let the word work. When you need to get to work on time, let the word work. You got you to you 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 give the word, give the word the authority of your life. That it has to boil down to what does the word say. Amen? All right, let's move to number two. Let's move to number two. When, this is, this is another indicator that you need to change. And this is real simple. This is, this is, this is not a revelation. You already know this. But I'm going to give it to you anyway. When what you're doing is not working. <laughs> That's a good indicator. 
bad, somebody needs change. When what you're doing is not working, it is, it is not, the way you're handling your finances is not working. Amen. Time to change. The way you're handling yourself in that marriage is not working. The way you're conducting yourself on the job, this is not working. Why do we keep doing stuff that we know in the spirit and in the natural? <laughs> it ain't working. It's not working. That was a, uh, <laughs> some scientists, uh, that were about three scientists that did an experiment. They took some boiling hot water and put some grease in it, some, some type of oil in it. And they took a frog and they placed, they, they dropped the frog in this, this boiling hot water with oil in it to see how he would respond. They dropped the frog in it, and the frog just began to make all kinds of sounds. He was trying to get out of that, that pot of, 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 of hot water and grease, and, and he was trying to get out there. He was trying to help. So eventually he was able to get out of there. Then they say, wow, this is amazing. So then they, they, they took the same frog. They said, we're going we're gonna to try another pot. Took another pot, boiling hot water with oil in it, and they dropped him in there. Boy, they dropped that frog in there. That frog come jumping up out of that thing. But then they had another pot, all in water, and had the fire under it. But the water hadn't really gotten hot yet. So the water was a little cool on the top. So when they dropped the frog in there, the frog stretched out all his legs and just began to relax. And the frog said, oh, this is it right here. And then he died. And what happened was, he boiled to death because what he thought was comfort and he became complacent in eventually destroyed his life. And it was talking about what happens when we don't change. We become complacent. We become comfortable. And just because we don't feel the heat yet, we just keep things as they are. And eventually what felt so good begins to destroy our lives. Complacency. Complacency. You have to make changes. Amen? Things change all the time. Sometimes it's like the church, the last one, get news that things have changed. But things have changed. If you just look around, I mean, you, you just look in this, this community, you look around the surrounding area here, this thing has changed. And many times we become irrelevant because we try to stay the same. Amen? Amen? So things that are not working, things you're not productive in. What are you doing that's not producing? What are you doing that's not effective? What are you doing that's not yielding any results in your life, the desired results in your life? What are you doing? And why do you keep doing the same thing when you know it's not working? Why have you found comfort in that that does not work? Turn me your Bibles to uh, uh, John chapter 21. 
John chapter 21, the disciples were on the boat fishing, and they had no results. And here's the thing you have to understand too, believers. It's not always a major change, but change is always major. It's not always a, a major change. You know, and, and, and a pilot can tell you sometimes he could just be just, just, just a degree off from where he need to be, just, just a little tweaking. And it's not always a major change. So the Bible says sometimes it's the small foxes that's destroying your vine. It's not, it's not, it's not, I mean, it may just take you just saying good morning in the mornings when you get up. That may just change some things. I mean, it, it doesn't take much, just, just, just a few, few minor adjustments, you know, instead of you just walking around mad all the time, just, just bring a smile home every now and then. Just a small change. Amen? All right, come on. Uh, uh, verse 20, verse number three, verse number three, verse number three says, Simon Peter said unto them, I go a fishing. They said unto him, we go also with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and, they, and that night they caught what? Nothing. Say nothing. nothing. Say it again, nothing. nothing. Say they caught nothing. They caught nothing. Now, th that means they got no results, right? right? Been out there all night, and, and listen to Jesus. But when the morning was come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus said unto him, hey, children, have you any meat? Y'all caught anything? Been out there all night? Have you gotten anything? You know, you, you got any money saved? You've been working 20 years. Got anything saved? See, y'all ain't going to say nothing about that. That's all right. 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 He said, have you got, you, you, you got, you didn't fix that marriage yet? You've been married 10 years, y'all ain't fixed it yet? Have you gotten any results? Have anything changed? You went out there with nothing. And you've been out there all night, you still don't have anything. Have you caught anything? Do you have any meat? They said, no, we ain't. We don't have anything. I can imagine Peter, you know, look, look, he always trying to be funny. He... He know we don't have none. That, that's why he asked us that question. He know we ain't got none. And he said unto them, cast your net on the right side of the ship. Now, I want you to see, folks, it wasn't, it wasn't, notice he did not tell them to change lakes. He said, just, just go to the other side. Just, just, a, just, just a minor adjustment, just drop it on the right side. Are you listening to me? It's not always a huge adjustment. Sometimes it's just something very minor that you can change so God can create something new in your life. Amen? But they didn't reject that word. They let it down, and the Bible said that they caught a great multitude of fish. Amen? Number three, number three, another indicator that I need to change. When what you're doing is robbing others or causing you to be robbed. When what you are doing is robbing others or causing you to be robbed. Maybe you're robbing others of their uniqueness or someone's robbing you of your uniqueness. You're robbing others of their identity 
Or maybe someone's robbing you of your identity, robbing others of opportunities, or maybe someone's robbing you of opportunities. But however, whenever you are robbing others, whenever what you are doing is robbing others, I think sometimes uh, that, that we rob others of the experiences that they need. Amen. But see, when you keep rescuing people, when you keep bailing them out, amen, when they take their money and go gamble and then get your money to pay their note, they're going to keep gambling because you're going to keep bailing them out. And you are robbing them of the experience of what happens when you don't pay your note. Hello? You can't, you, you, you can't keep rescuing people. You can't keep rob. Somebody needs to change. You can't keep robbing people of experiences that they need, robbing them of opportunities. Uh, others can't keep robbing. If somebody's robbing you, something needs to change. Robbing you of the faith fights that you need to get in. Amen? Tell the person that you say, your faith fight is your fight. Say, I'll stand outside the ring and give you some good coaching, but I'm not getting in the ring to do your fighting. Amen. But robbing others of experiences that they need. Go to Luke chapter 30. The Apostle Paul made mention as you go into Luke chapter uh, Luke chapter 10. If you find Luke chapter 30, you throw that Bible away. <laughs> Luke chapter Luke chapter 10. <laughs> Luke chapter 10. The Apostle Paul he mentions how he robbed the church, how he robbed other churches to do service for another church. And then uh, later on after that, he began to apologize to them because by him doing that, it, it oh my goodness, I, I see that. <laughs> Listen to this very carefully. You become inferior in life when you continue to let others rob you. And you're wandering down the road why is it everybody just walks over you and just mistreats you and you wear all the guilt and you end up becoming a people pleaser? That's because you're used to people robbing you. Paul said, I robbed others to do service for you. And he said, I wonder what is it that caused you to become inferior? He said, was it not because I, I didn't become a burden to you? He said, forgive me this wrong. He realized his mistake. And you can't, if you rob your children of the experiences that they need, they will be inferior in life. Some things you have to make some tough love decisions on and watch them go through and just pray and believe God for them. 
Because if you, if you always rescue them, they're going to always look to everybody else to do the rescuing for them. They will never grow up. They will never mature. They will never become responsible. They will never become accountable because you've always been there to bail them out. And the first time you tell them no to anything, they get upset with you because they've never become responsible for anything else. You can't keep robbing them of the experiences that they need. They need to know what it's like when you spend all your money. You need to experience that. No, you curse the teacher out. They're going to suspend you for three days. I'm not coming down there doing nothing. You shouldn't have cursed them out. I'm not going down there and get on the principal and try to bring my name down there. I'm not going to do it. You're going to learn what it is to cuss an authority out. Hello? Uh, our son went through a little experience and something we had to pay for. But he had to pay us back. Now don't go ask my son what he did. Leave him alone. But no, my, you know, my wife, you know, no, he, he needs to learn responsibility. Amen. That this is not life. You damage other people's property and things, you have to pay. See, that's life. You have to pay. Can't bail you out of that. I pay today, but you pay back. I'm not going to rob you of that experience. Hello? So when, when others are being robbed or when others are robbing you, there need to be a change. Oh, my goodness. Let me, let, me, let me move on. Let me, let me move on. Let me, all right, Luke chapter 30. Luke chapter 30. <laughs> yeah, I need to change, man. I, uh, I, need, I need to change. I need to change, man. Verse 30. That's a bad spirit over there, see? That's what it is. That's a bad spirit over there, man. Every time I said 30, I was over there. That's a bad spirit. Y'all stretch your hands over there toward them, man. Pray for them, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Look at verse 30. And, and Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to, to Jericho and fell among thieves. Yeah. Fell among thieves. Are there any thieves among you? Uh. See, you, you feel, you feel see what, what, a, what a thief does now, the characteristics of it. Are there any thieves among you in your group? On the other end of that cell phone, is that a thief you talking to? Riding in your car, is that a thief you talking to? Your group, your circle, the folk you hang out with, are they thieves? Well, here's how you tell. He said, fell among thieves, which what? Stripped him. Just taking you for everything. Just, just stripping you. They stripped him, what else? They wounded him, then did what? Left him. You, you never talked to him. They didn't got what they wanted from you. They threw with you. Now they out there scandalizing your name and putting you down. Now they wounding you, and they are leaving you for that. Don't care what happened to you. That's a, that's a thief. 
as a thief. And many of us, we have thieves in our, in our life that's robbing us. They're robbing us of our dignity. They're robbing us of our integrity. They're robbing us of our character, robbing us of our faith in God. They're just constantly taking, just, just stripping you of that, just stripping you of this and stripping you of that, and then wound you and leave you laying there for dead. Now, it's easy to spot people like that in your life. But here's the question. Are you the thief? Who are you stripping? Stripping them of their time? Who are you stripping? Who life is centered around doing everything for you? Who are you stripping? Amen. And then, and then, you, then you wound them with your mouth, with the tongue, with the words of your mouth. Because with your mouth, you can bless. With your mouth, you can curse. And so you go out and curse the very one that's been helping you out. Oh, man, they, 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 they ain't all that. They was all that when they was helping you out? Yeah. Well, all of a sudden, they ain't all that now. Maybe they told you no for a change. Yeah. They, 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 they ain't all that. See, I know the real truth. See, y'all don't, y'all don't, y'all don't know them. Yeah, they let me stay over there, but see, that was the Lord because I saw some stuff when I was over there. <laughs> they go out, they go out and wound you. Go out and talk about you and tear you down. You didn't help them. You didn't sacrifice for them. You didn't done all kind of things for them. They didn't strip you. They didn't got everything they need and wanted from you. And now they're wounding you and leave you for dead. Yeah. Amen. Are there any thieves among you? Get rid of them. Put the thieves out of your life. Amen? Judas tried to rob Jesus. One thing, he tried to rob him of, of the glory and the honor that was due him. The Bible said a woman took an alabaster box of precious ointment. She broke that box. She poured it on Jesus. And when Judas saw that, he said, what purpose is this waste? This, this is a waste. He don't, he don't deserve that. We could have took that and gave it to the poor. Could have gave it to somebody who need. He don't need that. Why he need that kind of car? Why she need that kind of house? That's that's a, that's all that room. That that's a waste. Ain't but two of them in that big old house. <laughs> so that ain't nothing but hate talking, man. That ain't that ain't that ain't nothing. That ain't nothing. You need to go get you some haterade, cause that ain't that ain't that ain't nothing but hate talking, man. That's hate. That's hate. <laughs> you, can't, you can't determine what somebody else needs. You can't judge somebody's appetite by your appetite. You sit down at the table to eat. You may not want but two pieces of chicken. Somebody else may want eight pieces. You can't, that's just a shame. That's their appetite. You can't judge somebody else's appetite and their desires by your own appetite and desires. What it takes to satisfy you takes something totally different to satisfy somebody else. You let other people live, we letting you live your dream. Your dream was not to have much. We letting you live it. My dream was to have, let me live my dream, man. Let me live my dream. <laughs> Ain't nobody stopping you from getting what you want. You didn't want nothing. And you got it. You ought to be happy. 
Somebody look at what you're doing and what you have and call it a waste. That's a waste. All that property, that's a waste. That's a waste. Get driving that big old car. That's a that's a waste. How much them things cost? That's a waste. <laughs> see, that let you know right there, you out the loop. See, you are, you are, see, you are, you done gave yourself up. See, you done gave yourself up. That kind of money for a car. Look how many hungry folk you could have made, could have fed. See, if your car didn't cost but 10000 look how many you could have fed. So don't ask somebody to give up theirs. You ain't giving up yours. Don't let nobody rob you of your dream, rob you of your desire. You pregnant with that. And they ain't got nothing to do with it. You didn't give me this. I'm pregnant with this. That's what happened with, 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 with Jairus. Jairus went to Jesus and said, Jesus, my daughter is dying. Come to the house, lay hands on her. She shall be healed and she shall live. Uh -huh. Jesus said, let's go. So they go into Jairus' house. And in the process, this woman comes out with an issue of blood. And she touches Jesus' gum. Jesus stopped. He's ministering to this woman. Jairus is still standing here. We need to go to my house. My daughter is sick. I said, if you come to the house, lay hands on her, she'll be healed, and she shall live. But he's talking to this woman who had an issue of blood. So now, one of the servants come out and say, hey, Jairus, I just left the house. Trouble not the master anymore. Your daughter's already dead. Jesus turned and said, don't you be afraid. Fear not. You just keep believing. You said, if I come to your house, lay hands on your daughter, she shall be healed, and she shall live. Don't you give up. We ain't got to the house yet. Don't you dare give up. There's always somebody to come out and try to rob you of what you're believing for. Jesus let him know, don't you pay that no mind. You keep believing for what you believe in for. You keep your faith on what you set your faith on. That you believe you receive when you pray, you continue to believe. You continue to confess it. You continue to call those things that be not as though they were and in a manifest. Don't you let nobody rob you of your faith. Hallelujah. Man, you just don't know haters motivate me. <laughs> because, see, when you start hating, you start challenging God. What I'm believing God for, when you start hating, you telling God it ain't going to happen. I just go to God and say, God, they say you ain't big enough to do it. They say you can't. I'm just telling you what they say. Now, however you want to handle that, that's fine. I'm just letting you know what they say. They say you can't do it, but I know you can do it. Woo, glory to God. but I believe it. I know you're able to do it. I know you can do it. I know you can heal my body. I know you can deliver me out of debt. I believe. And I'm not going to let nobody rob me of my faith. Rob, rob you of your faith? That's, that's what I'm believing for. First thing you need to do, folks say, I heard you believing to do such and such. You need yeah. to find out, yeah, yeah, okay, so where, where you staying? Yeah. I need to know where you at. Because yeah. yeah. I need to know what side of the list to put you on. Yeah. 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 Now, you in agreement? Yeah. Or, or, or you, you're not in agreement? 
I just need to know. So I can monitor my conversation when I come around you. Because I just know certain things, y'all ain't hearing what I'm saying. There are certain things I don't need to talk about when I'm around you. Because I don't need you trying to rob me of what I'm believing God for. So I need to know where you stand. Well, I get back with, no, you can't get back with me. You let me know now where you stand. Because by the time you get back with me, I didn't move in the house. <laughs> hey! Woo, glory to God! By the time. <laughs> Woo, glory to God, man! Well, let nobody rob you of your faith. Yeah. Same thing happened with, um, with Joseph. He told his brothers yeah. his dream. Yeah. And the, the Bible said they hated him the more. Yeah. Everybody can't handle your dream. Everybody can't handle it. That's right, you got, you got, you got to do like Jesus. When, when they got to Jairus' house, Jesus said, uh, there's some folk in here need to go. <laughs> you, 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 you need to go through your phone <laughs> and say, there's some folk in here need to go. said the Bible said they laughed him to scorn so they laughed but and then the scripture say but when he put them all out they stopped laughing in because they was on the outside but the miracle was happening on the inside you got to get look listen there's some things that can't happen in your life till you get some of them doubters and haters out of your life who glory to God the Bible said that that God he prepares a table. Come here, Jackie. Come here, Jackie. Come here, Jackie. Come here. So, 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 so Jackie in my life, but he hating. So when I put him out, and now he's standing there. You see that line there? Okay, you can't cross that line. Now, 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 now the Bible said what God does, now God can prepare the table in the presence. While they on the outside, see, he couldn't do it as long as they was in there. But when he put them out, now he started preparing the table right before him. He prepares a table before you in the presence of your haters. And my name is Sean. <laughs> Let me give you these last. Same thing happened with Bartimaeus. Remember Bartimaeus believing God for his sight? He said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. 
And the scripture said, they said, shh, shh, take all that. Well, see, you can say that because you can see. I can't see. You already got what you believing for. I'm believing for something. Don't tell me what it don't take. And the Bible said he cried out yet the more until he got the attention of Jesus. And the ones that told him to be quiet, Jesus told them, bring him here. The Bible said he'll make your enemies your footstool. In other words, he'll make the ones that hated on you end up being the ones that got to serve you. And boy, you know they hated every bit of it. They have to go get, well, come on. He, he, he said, come on. He, he, he wants you now. It ha- they hated every bit of it. They hated when they talked about you, said you wasn't going to do anything, said your husband was going to leave, your wife was going to leave. But then they see both of y'all at the movies together. And they standing there having to sell you a ticket. Washing your car at the car while the car they say you wasn't going to get, they end up washing it, and you come out there with your tip and tell him, say, sir, I need you to hit that again. Number four. <laughs> Tell somebody next to say, this is my season of change. Tell somebody else, say, this is my season of change. Tell them, say, this is the season I've been waiting on. This is the one I've been praying about. This is the one I've been believing for. This is the one I've been looking for. Tell them, say, it's my season. Mm-mm. Ooh, Jesus. Ooh, Jesus. Ooh, Jesus. Ooh, Jesus. It's my season of change. This my season to shift. This my season to move from another place and go to another level. This my season of change. Glory be to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hey, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hey, glory. (laughs) Glory. Mm, mm, mm. Ah, my goodness. Oh, oh, my goodness. Go to, go to, go to Joel. Oh, my goodness, huh? Oh, my goodness. Uh, Acts, 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 Acts. This, li- listen carefully, Acts. This is, this is, my goodness. Acts chapter 2. Oh, my goodness. Say, this is the last day. Say it again. Say, we're in the last day. And, 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 and we know that in the last day, Hallelujah. perilous time. All right. Right? Right. Perilous time. Yes, sir. Uh, truth breakers. Yeah. Uh, 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 
men will be covetous, lovers of themselves. We, we know all that, right? Yes, sir. Say last days. But, but I, want, I, want to, I want to clue you in on something else that happened in the last days. Because see, that ain't the only thing that happened in the last day. But, but look, look, at, look at Acts chapter 2, uh -huh. verse, verse 16, because something's happening. And, and I like how Peter responds in verse 16. He said, but, but this is that. Yeah, this is that. This is that Joel talked about. <laughs> and, and it shall come to pass in the last days. Tell them, say, say, this is that. This is that. That was prophesied about. That's supposed to happen in the last day. Tell him, say, we are in, we are in the last days. The last day. now, now, look what he said going to happen. He said, he said and, and, and God, he said, I'll pour out of my spirit. Yeah. Now, now, notice now, 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 he didn't say, I'm going to pour out my spirit. He said, I'm going to pour out of my spirit. So he said, I'm not pouring out the spirit, but something coming out of the spirit. Oh, you got, you got to get there. He said, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. That means you and you and you and you. That means all of us. He said, I'll pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Now, now to prophesy, you got to speak to your future. See, see, see this, this is the time more than ever before for me to be talking to my future. Why? Because my past been talking to me, my present trying to talk to me, but I got to strike up conversation with my future. Oh, Jesus. They shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions. That we're living in a time where you got to see past where you are. I say all the time, if you don't have a vision, you don't need a future. And then he goes on to say, he says, and your old men shall do what? Dream, dream. Tell the person that you say, I'm dreaming. I'm dreaming. Tell them, say, I'm dreaming. I'm, I'm, I'm dreaming. I'm, I'm envisioning. I'm imagining. I'm getting something else on my mind. I'm, God's pouring out. See, and the Bible said that God gives you the desires of your heart. Two things. Number one, what you desire, God will give it to you. Number two, the desire you have come from God. So God is pouring out of his spirit, his wisdom, his creativity, his ingenuity. He's putting something on the inside of me that's coming out of his spirit that's causing me to dream beyond where I am. In other words, I wasn't even thinking about it till God dropped it in me. I'd have been satisfied where I am. But when God showed me something else, I got an appetite for it. You got a dream, you got a vision, you got to imagine greater than where you are. Because until you can see past where you are, you are stuck where you are. Hallelujah. So get all them thieves and robbers out of your life. Scared of your dream? They're scared of your vision. When Herod found out Jesus was coming, he spent two years searching for him. 
Why? To destroy. There are some folk trying to stop you before you start. That's why you can't tell them what you're getting ready to do. They'll rob you of some relationships that are necessary for what you're getting ready to do. But when they find out that what you was going to do, then they try to ease up to certain folk. Why? They're trying to, they trying to abort what you, what you believe in from. Well, I ain't going to say nothing. You know, I don't like no men. I don't like no God. But I'm just saying, you just, you just pray. The Lord, the Lord will show you. See? That's somebody trying to stop what's coming. Amen? Amen. And you got to get them out of your life. Jesus asked the disciples one time, what y'all gonna, gonna stay with me or y'all gonna go? What you gonna do? Make up your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Saying, what, make up your mind. Everybody who was a part of your past ain't a part of your future. And you gotta have wisdom. That don't mean you need to fall out. That doesn't mean you need to fall out. You just have to know when, baby, this your bus stop right here. You, you need to get off. This is your stop. I know we rode all the way from town together, but this your stop. You, you got to get off this bus. Oh, I like that. Because not only is this bus going where it's supposed to go, but if you stay on here, you're going to even miss where you're supposed to go. Let nobody rob you of your faith. Yeah. Rob you of what you believe in for. Rob you of your dreams mm. and your desires. Amen. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a